holiday tips, and wine stories from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Did you know there are over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Here's to a whole lot of celebrating. Crisp whites like a floral Sauvignon Blanc pairs perfectly with shrimp cocktail and other light appetizers. Now that's how you kick off a holiday meal. Don't stress about choosing the right wine for a meaningful gift. Consider me your wine concierge. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine & More. Cheers. Motorcycle Madhouse, presented by Insane Toronto Biker News, hosted by none other than... Right now, I don't feel too agreeable. ...everyone's favorite online personality, the thorn in every Leo's side, James Hollywood Machikari and his partner in crime, Double Barrel. Hi, I'm James Hollywood Machikari, and uh, today I'm joined with a very special guest. You guys have probably seen his videos on YouTube. If you haven't, now's the time to go over to uh, Black Dragon National President of uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, I hope I got that uh, URL right. Uh, if I don't, I'm sure uh, Black Sabbath will uh, get it fixed for me. Uh, how you doing today, Black Sabbath? Hey, how you doing? Uh, good to be on the show. I'm Black Dragon, and the YouTube page is Black Dragon National President. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, page, let me tell you. I go out there a lot. Uh, it has a lot to do... Well, you know what? Let me uh, have Black Dragon describe what his page is, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the page is about? Sure. Uh, the YouTube channel, Black Dragon National President, uh, derived from me watching, uh, as a national president, watching so much uh, turnover... Not only in my motorcycle club, but in motorcycle clubs uh, across the country. As I set out to make Black Sabbath a nationwide MC uh, over the many years, I would just notice so much divisiveness, uh, so much uh, backstabbing, so much of these things, these people hopping from club to club to club. And it dawned on me that perhaps a lot of the old values and old-style culture of traditional motorcycle clubs uh, had been lost. And so I decided to, to, to start talking about in an open forum using social media some of the things that we did uh, in traditional motorcycle clubs to stay together and have cohesion and loyalty and brotherhood and family and all of those things that MCs claim to be about and purport to be about, but... Uh, for people that are supposed to be brothers, I found that we did the most egregious things to one another and the, the crappiest things to one another. And the thing I think that, that uh, we have forgotten throughout the years is how to treat each other like individual pieces of solid gold. And I think if we treated each other at, like individual pieces of solid gold, that you would see the cohesion in the MC and the brotherhood go to heights never before seen. So, as a national president of a motorcycle club, I found that training one of my brothers and teaching my brothers was something that other motorcycle clubs uh, might might benefit from, and I, I just kind of took that idea and put it on a, a YouTube page, and I was blown away at, at the phenomenal growth. So, it must be a message that was uh, reaching out. Oh, it was uh, a huge message uh, that's been reaching out. You actually uh, have crossed uh, 
lines that really haven't been crossed before in the biker world. You know, I know in the biker world, you know, you have the white clubs, the black club, Hispanics, or the mix, and you're getting a lot of, because uh, I look at uh, your page, and you're getting a whole range of spectrum of people uh, going on your page. How does that make you feel? So, I, I tell you, um, it, it, it has been interesting. You, you learn a lot that you don't know, because you're right. For the most part, the biker world is still very segregated. Uh, you have the white cubs, uh, you have the black clubs, the Hispanic, the Asian clubs. Uh, but in my motorcycle club, in the history of the Black Sabbath Nation, we started as seven black men who rode on Sundays and in San Diego, California. And as anyone who's been to San Diego knows, it's a military town. So in 1974, we got started before the end of 1974, the Black Sabbath was integrated. So mostly military guys. And so there was never, had never really been this idea of, um, segregation within the Black Sabbath. We've always been a mixed race club. Uh, we have whole chapters of all white guys. We have Mexican guys. We have, uh, but we're mostly black guys. But because of the, the, the motorcycle set that we, that the way the set is, is no matter what your makeup is, if you started off as a black club like we did, you're going to always be considered a black club on the black set. So I honestly started this show, uh, Black Dragon National President talking to black riders about what I thought were black issues on the black biker set. And I was absolutely blown away and not prepared for the, the, the idea that we're all people and no matter what we, we interact in, it's going to be the same whether it's on the black side or the white side. There's going to still be the same hatred, the same jealousy. The same, uh, the same things that motivate people. So I found that my message began to reach out not only uh, nationwide, but I've got people from Yugoslavia and Romania and, and uh, the Holy Lands and all over the country from Africa to Russia, uh, all over the world, and the amazing colors of people. I, I didn't know that particularly that... Uh, motorcycle clubs existed in in um, uh, uh, in the UK as they exist in America and follow almost the same protocol uh, enough such that the things that I speak about find audiences uh, all over the, the world that say yes I can relate to that that's happening in my motorcycle club and how do we fix it and I, I found that uh, that that uh, white guys all over the nation, Mexican guys, uh, you name it, these guys are uh, calling me, they're emailing me, they're texting me, and I just never really realized that I would like cross a racial barrier, as it were, but uh, I'm glad that we can find out that we all bleed red, and we can find out that we all have the same kinds of issues, and with the attacks that are going on against motorcycle clubs in general worldwide, like if you see what's going on with the brothers that are riding down in Australia, and things like that can take off across the entire world, I think that we as bikers need to unite, because it doesn't matter uh, what color you are, or what, what your 1% or 99% or traditional club, family club, whatever you want to call it, 
see that backpacks, they only see one thing. And that's a negative stereotype and a negative connotation that has been hyped by the media to sell books and magazines and movies and commercials. And they need a bad guy. They need somebody to uh, denigrate. And that is the biker. So the biker who rides in a club is under attack by people that are sensationalizing, media that sensationalizes, law enforcement that sensationalizes, and, and they all justify an existence by grabbing at us. So I think it's important that we do stand together. Well, you bring up protocol. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing that people should uh, know about protocol? I know you wrote a book, uh, The Prospect Bible. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I've written uh, four books now, Prospects Bible, Prospects Bible for Women's Motorcycle Clubs. I've written the Sergeant at Arms Bible and the Public Relations Officers Bible. So my whole thing started off as a, as a, a protocol kick. The idea is that if we get back to the norms of MC protocol that, that started to you know, protocol is interesting. All laws are interesting. All laws are designed to put people on a playing field where how you advance, how you progress, how you, uh, what your rights, all these things are laid out clearly and they're, they're as equal as possible. And if everybody's playing on the same playing field, then we can all get along. Testosterone is kept down. There's no need to harm one another. If we can all agree that the sky is blue and somebody's not thinking black when the rest of us are thinking blue, then we have a, a basis for communication. And protocol is all about communication. How do we communicate together to ride together safely, without war, without strife, and without causing the kinds of chaos that brings the other side, the law enforcement side, down on us? And, and destroys us as as a community overall. So my idea about teaching uh, my ideas of 99% or protocol was to show, and then of course then we had all of the pump-up clubs that came in uh, around about 2009, I'd say. No, that's uh, been we terrible. seeing all these, these, uh, these clubs coming from all over the place. And it's like uh, you had the blind leading the blind. You had, you had guys trying to figure it out as they went along and it just caused for so much chaos because you're running head in and the dominant MCs and they're looking at you like dude you got a patch on your back so you should know how the Romans operate in Rome so uh, I just decided well maybe if I write some of this stuff down and uh, and, and people are interested in reading it and, and I do the YouTube page maybe this could number one bring clubs together number two cut down on the strife because knowledge is power and a lot of these folks do silly stuff because they just don't know any better and I thought uh, I've seen this firsthand as a guy who's gone across the entire United States to unite my chapters from coast to coast and I've seen every kind of situation uh, I've been in every kind of situation and I just thought I would write it down and some folks get mad about that uh, I've had my, my critics who who uh, think that I'm some know-it-all who's, who's playing God, you know, who, who died and told you that you should write something down. Uh, and, you know, I say to those people, 
I just talk about my experiences. I talk about what I've seen. And everything I say I've hate, I've probably actually done. So I don't talk about things as some guy who is uh, who can pontificate from some higher plane. I talk as a regular guy that's been through hell. It took me five years to cross over from prospect to brother. That's about about a, a whole lot more years time than 90% of the guys I know. Uh, I don't care if they were 1%ers or 99%ers. I don't know too many guys that prospected for five years. So I have seen the worst of a club put its foot up your, your rump. I've, 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 I've been that guy who was a biker without a motorcycle. I've, I've done all that. So when I tell you that's a silly thing to do, it's not because I'm coming from this position of, of I'm the most righteous guy in the world. I come from the guy that's probably been, ha, had the hardest knocks, a guy who prospected for five years, a guy who was told, you will never be Black Sabbath no matter what you do. It will never happen. Rising all the way to national president, and those guys that said that had to call me national. So I know the bottom of the, of, of, of the bowl all the way up to the rim of the bowl. And uh, it was through hard work. So I, that's all I wanted to pass along, and that, that's my idea about protocol. And, and the most golden nugget I have to say about the protocol is a thing you learned in, in kindergarten, which is how to treat others like you want to treat, be treated yourself. How to treat individual brothers like individual solid stones of precious gold. And if you can do that, then you've got it all figured out. Wow, that was great. Uh, you brought up pop-up clubs. How do you think pop-up clubs have affected the, the motorcycle club scene? So I say pop-up clubs, and it's a term I absolutely hate, because every single club in America was a pop-up club to somebody at one time. Even the Black Sabbath Nation, 44 years old, when we first came into being, they all said we were never going to make it, we were never going to survive, we were never going to exist, and more importantly, we didn't deserve to make it, they would say. And almost every single one of those clubs has ceased to exist. Being the, only, the, the oldest standing original black club in San Diego, California, the Black Sabbath is the oldest and the longest standing. And everybody told us, they didn't have the term pop-up club back then, but it, it was exactly the, the same meaning. So I think that um, pop-up clubs will always exist. I think that any time a new club forms, the old guys look around and they want to call you a pop-up. But they typically call you a pop-up for the same reasons that they called us a pop-up way back then, even though that wasn't the term they used. And that is, you don't know what the hell you're doing. And I think pop-up clubs negatively affect the biker set because they don't know what the hell they're doing and they, they, young people don't have a good appreciation for what older people do or did to get things established. And I see it in motorcycle clubs to this day. Like I, in my own club, I, I had a, a young guy stand up and tell an older guy something uh, about his, his dedication to the club. And the older guy's been in the club 35 years. So you just got in the club a year and a half.
and a half ago, and you're given 120 hours a week, and you, you think that you're doing something, and you want to look at this other guy who might only be given 10 hours a week, and you want to say to him, you know, dude, you're nothing. Look at all I've done. I, 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 I. Look at all I've done. And you have no idea that about 20 years ago, this guy was putting 120 hours in. Maybe he was putting 160 hours in. And the sacrifices he did for that clubhouse to stand over there, that now you come in and now you're done all your sacrificing, dude, move over. Sit down. Shut up. Take a minute to learn what the heck is going on, you wet little puppy. You guppy. You fish out of water. Sit down and shut the hell up. Because your sacrifices just began. You got a whole nother 30 years before you can get to the level of that OG over there who's only given 10 hours. And I tell you what, when you get to that level, you'll probably be tired and want to only give 10 hours too. So stop talking about I, I, I. Me, me, me. Mine, mine, mine. And start talking about we, we, we. We is us. We is ours. We is we together. We built this. We is yes. Yes, we can. Stop talking about your damn self. Stop saying I and stop saying me and start saying we. And to me, that's what a lot of pop-up clubs are all about. I deserve the right to pop up because I want to ride. Regardless of what the police say when they see us acting a damn fool out here, and it's giving all the other motorcycle clubs that have been here forever a bad name and a bad way to go, and they're making bad laws, and they're taking away our freedoms and our liberties. All you're concerned about over there is me. So we're trying to teach the pop-up clubs how to come in in a good way such that they contribute to the greater we rather than themselves. Because we are all in this together. And we all affect one another. Right. Now, with uh, I know with a lot of pop-up clubs you see on the internet, uh, a lot of them uh, ad advertising for membership, and I think that uh, riles up a lot of the old folks. What do you think about with these clubs going on the internet and uh, advertising for membership? You know, uh, I, saw, I saw that one time. Uh, uh, this one club had an open membership call and I, I thought that I thought that was interesting uh, so I, I asked the president young guy I said um, I said young man what what on earth is an open membership call because that that term was that, that's new to me I had I wanted to be educated before I uh, launched into my tirade and he says oh that means that you don't have to prospect or anything we're taking open members for the next 22 days, and here's your way to get in the club if you want to get in right now. And I, I just shook my head, and I said, uh, I said, uh, you know, young man, um, how do I begin to tell you how screwed up that is? Where, where do I start? Uh, so I think that some things are going to have to change. Uh, you know, we we date nowadays. We we date by by social media. We don't even go meet people. We we date them on the computer. We get to know them. We fall in love. We meet someplace and we make love. And then we run back to the computer again. Like we can't even interact. A lot of things change in this young generation. 
And one of the things is uh, this, this social media and people think that they can recruit Brotherhood. And, and so that's why I started teaching this. To, to uh, I have a video called uh, How to Run a Motorcycle Club Day to Day. And uh, it's something that I was done when, uh, when a, one of the young guys opening up a, a pop-up motorcycle club. He said, well, you guys are always yelling at us. You're always screaming at us. You're always telling us what we're doing wrong. You, you never tell us what to do right. And I think that's what happens with older guys like us. We see them. We don't agree what they're doing. To answer your question, I think to offer a membership over social media or, or something like that is absolutely the most ridiculous thing you could ever do. But if we don't take time to teach these guys, not only no, you don't do that, but why you don't do that and explain to them what brotherhood is and explain to them that if a person doesn't have skin in the game or they're not willing to prospect or they're not willing to ride their motorcycles, they're not willing to get to know you in the ways that have been time-tested from the beginning of mankind till today, then if we can't teach them that, they won't know that, and they'll continue to fight and rebel against us out of youth and ignorance, and we're just shaking our heads no. I think that as older guys on the set that know what's going on, it's our obligation to take those kids to the side and say, no, but this is why and give them examples and show them why and how and the way that they can move forward. I think that might change some of this. Pop-up clubs, the way that they act, they act out of ignorance. They don't know any better. Now, do we continue to put our boot on their neck or do we help them to make the transition forward? I think that's the question that traditional MCs have to ask themselves. Right, right. Where do you see, you know, you brought up the younger generation you know, Harley and all the major, you know, motorcycle manufacturers are having a hard time with sales right now. The younger generation aren't into uh, all the motorcycling like we were at our age back then. Where do you see the motorcycle club uh, scene, say, in five, ten years with this younger generation? Well, in terms of uh, what kind of motorcycles they're going to buy... I think Harley needs to come out of uh, the dark ages when it comes to motorcycle um, uh, um, uh, efficiency and dependability. Um, when you're buying a motorcycle off the showroom floor and you got to put $6,000 into it before you get it out the door, uh, and, and somebody's got a motorcycle that will outrun it, outperform it, and and all of those things. You have a problem. You can only go on nostalgia for for so long. Uh, some of uh, the older guys, that's the only kind of thing we're going to ride. But the the younger guys, um, you know, uh, you got first of all when you're young, you're broke. I know I was. Uh, <laughs> and you're trying to get the that's cut for the buck. And people were originally on Harley's because they were inexpensive motorcycles to operate and you could fix them yourself. So um, now we move to uh, newer generations where uh, motorcycle companies are building this stuff into their motorcycles. I remember when you couldn't get a fairing unless you went to Vetter to buy it. And now Vetter doesn't even exist anymore uh, because motorcycle companies got savvy savvy and put, put fairings on their bikes. So, when does Harley get savvy and start building bikes that, you know, one of the 
the jokes that we have is Harley Davidson stands, HD stands for $100. When do you get savvy and build a bike that doesn't cost an arm and a leg to operate? I think your sales change at that moment. I think if they don't do something like that, they're going to lose the newer generation and the bike sales are going to absolutely continue to slump and they're going to go the way of Indian and everyone else. Where do you think uh, the quality clubs would be in about five to ten years? You know, I, that one's hard for me. I um, Especially since the Vietnam generation would be uh, getting out of the scene. Yeah, but you you got the Desert Storm generation coming in and the, uh, the Iraqi freedom and the uh, Afghanistan generation coming in. So I see a younger... Uh, Hurt, still hurt, still what they used to call uh, uh, they used to call um, battlefield stress or or uh, we now call post traumatic stress disorder. I still see those guys, and they're still hurting, and they still need and they want the camaraderie of the MC. So I don't think MCs are going anywhere. Well, I think there's going to definitely be changes. Those changes that come from dealing with young people and MCs uh, like we brought in change uh, in our days. MCs changed completely, so it's hard for me to say where it's going to go in five years. But I think that if it's going to um, be successful, because now we have outside interferences we never had before, and the social media and the news media and the twenty-four hour media. So, like, I mean, the way they've done this Waco thing, when you when you looked at it uh, from the very beginning, the way the media had it portrayed, I mean, it it, it was just terrible. Uh, you could come away from your TV screen with an idea that wasn't even anywhere close to the truth. So, I think that traditional MCs that are sitting up running right now have to understand that they have to take the lead on training these young people if they want the generations to, uh, the motorcycle club traditions to continue as we've known them. Every time one of these young kids comes up with his pop-up club or his new ideas, they get slammed into the ground and young people rebel. And we have to understand that we've got to be accepting, and we've got to say more yeses than we say no, and we got to we got to compromise, and we have to teach. And until we start doing that, when we turn them away on their own vices, as it were, uh, leaving them to their own devices, they, we're we're not happy with what they come up with. But again, we have the blind leading the blind. What the heck do they know? We have to engage them. And we gotta teach them. Uh, Matt, do you ever think that the major clubs ever come together for peace, sit at a table, and put all the differences aside, get rid of all the killing, or do you think it's just gonna keep going on and on until we get some uh, laws passed like they got it in uh, Australia? I think they damn well better if they know what's good for them. Dinosaurs do not survive. They don't survive the great extinctions. Uh, with that attack on the Mongols' colors, uh, when that happened, 
I, I think that was one of the most scary and telling things. Something like that happens. If that can happen to them, that can happen to anyone. The, the law enforcement is getting uh, uh, um, uh, more and more skilled in how they attack us, going after our colors and this, that, and the other. Uh, if you don't want to see draconian-like laws like they have in Australia, um, these MCs have to come together. they got to put together some sort of uh, 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 council between them where they handle their differences, uh, where they're not doing all this that they've been doing, because it's getting to the point that you can't fight the onslaught of the 24-7 media. The, the, these guys, the, they got this thing, and they know how to do it, and they know how to build a case up against you and run it into the ground. And it's not, it's its when the voters start voting for these kind of laws. Uh, this is what's going to change the face of what we're doing. I think they have to come together. I think they've got to lay down their differences and come to the table for the survival of them and the survival of us all. As a national pre you know what, you bring up something good right there. As a national president, how would you feel about being uh, held responsible for something uh, a member of yours did in, say, San Diego? I think it's uh, absolutely uh, evil. But it's also genius. If... Uh, you want to take somebody out or you want to take an organization out uh, that you uh, manipulate the laws to, to, to your side if you're the guy that's enforcing the laws. And as a national president, I could say that there is no one in hell that I know what a guy in San Diego is going to do <laughs> just because he's wearing my colors. Or even if he's going to obey me if I say don't do A, B, C, or D. I mean, these people have their... It's like having a hand and the fingers have their own minds. For the most part, you could make a fist, but if this guy doesn't want to be a fist, you know, what What can you do? You, he's got his own mind. And to hold someone accountable for something someone else does, I think is a mean trick that they were able to play, but they play a lot of mean tricks, like uh, asset forfeiture, you know, uh, civil asset civil forfeiture, where where you're uh, driving down the street and a, and a cop pulls you over and takes your money. And uh, uh, so the, the laws are, you know, this is why we are always afraid of things like the Patriot Act. Because they start the Patriot Act out against uh, uh, some Muslim guy with a bomb on his back. Uh, and then, you know, six years later, uh, a biker with colors on his back it is called the same thing that the Muslim guy is called. Uh, uh, a terrorist, blah, 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 blah. And you're, uh, what happens next? We're in Guant Guantanamo Bay ourselves, being tortured with, and held without bail? You know? Uh, it's not so far-fetched, in my opinion. Right, right. Well, I bring up that point because uh, we've done articles on a case going on, and... I know a lot of the, you know, we always try to put out there that Insane Throttle's neutral. We have no uh, 
horse in the race so we really don't care about the politics between clubs we just report what's going on out there and there's one case going on uh, in Pennsylvania right now where an Iron Order member I guess uh, got in a fight some chick got thrown in the middle of a street and got hit by a car and now all of a sudden uh, the Iron Order as a club's uh, being sued liable you know for liable and I don't think I can get the point out there because they can't get past the iron order. So let's put it this way. Uh, if one of your members in, say, San Diego went, you know, and did the same thing, and now Black Sabbath is being held responsible, liable, what do you think about that? what that can do to clubs? It's not only going after them for RICO, but going after them, you know, financially to put them under. So I mean, and that's the and that's the problem. Um, you know, you're you're not protected, and that's one of the reasons that I mean, such a thing has happened to us. So uh, it it uh, we have been that has happened. We we faced that, and it cost a lot of money. Um, I won't go into the specifics, but uh, we we know that one firsthand. So. Um, it's another reason that protocol becomes very important. It's another reason that, you know, there are training programs within our system. There, and, and uh, you know, a lot of clubs don't know that anything can be held against you, including your own bylaws. They can come in and, and subpoena your bylaws and then sit in court and show in your bylaws how you're this, that, or the other. So uh, motorcycle clubs have to come very savvy some of the big ones have about uh, reputations and reputation management. It's a reason I wrote the book, The PRO's Bible, uh, Public Relations for Motorcycle Clubs. I wrote it directly after uh, uh, addressing several major incidents that happened in my club that caused us to have to undergo incredible public scrutiny and um, we had one incident where newspapers across the entire world, from Singapore to, to London, uh, were, was talking about our motorcycle club and the things that you should have seen the, the titles, outlaw biker gang, blah, blah, blah happens. None of this stuff was anywhere close to the truth, but it was all over the internet and all over the world, and we had to fight that aggressively using strong, public relations tactics that, that uh, if, you, if you're not savvy about that, it can cause you to lose your whole club. Financially, uh, folks can go to jail. It's crazy. So it's, it's a um, very heavy, uh, serious game. And we talk about a lot of pop-up clubs. These guys have no idea. They want to ride motorcycles and wear patches. They have no idea uh, of the seriousness that that can happen quickly in this game right correct correct you mentioned that you wrote a because i actually seen one of your videos the other day where you were talking about enforcers you know that's usually a one percenter thing and uh you know mostly sergeant at arms are uh in the 99 percenter can you tell uh the audience what the difference between a 99 percenter is and a one percenter well, you know, 99% I guess is also kind of like a new term. Uh, in my day, we were called family clubs, or uh, or we were called local clubs, or mom and pop clubs. But uh, 
centers has kind of persisted. Uh, kind of counter name has come out, which is uh, a name I like, 99 percenters. And, and to me, a 99 percenter is a traditional MC that is not a 1% dominant club that claims territory. So a 99 percenter can be what was originally thought of as a mom and pop club or a club that is specifically not a dominant MC. And what I try to talk about with 99 percenters is what's a traditional MC? What's a traditional motorcycle club that operates not as a one percent or a dominant club? What what do you guys do? What what do we do? What are our protocols? So, to me, a ninety-nine percenter is a club that doesn't claim territory uh, and and doesn't regulate and, and is not a nine is not and is not specifically not a one percent uh, MC nation. And so, how do we ride? enjoy our traditions and our cultures and what's important for us to stay in our lane and uh, on our radar and, and, and ride uh, peacefully and without uh, stepping on the toes or running negatively into other MC nations or other kinds of MC nations uh, you know do, how do you get blessings how do you how do you move forward and in that video I made uh, and I get questions all the time so in that video that I made, uh, what what it doesn't, uh, I think it was called, can a 99% MC have enforcers? And I, I get a a, a a letter from a guy who says, listen, we've got four enforcers in our club, and we want to know how many we can have. And then another club steps to us and tells us that we're wrong in having enforcers in the first place. So, Black Dragon, why can't we have as many enforcers as we want to have? And... I, I just have to smile and I say, oh my goodness. So, you know, first of all, why do you have any enforcers at all? <laughs> what the hell are you enforcing? So, let's talk about this uh, such that, that, yeah, that club came to you and told you were wrong because they were damn right. You are wrong. Uh, and, and the kind of trouble you'll run into is not the kind of trouble that you want. So, let me tell you why that's wrong and see what we can do to to change your opinion and maybe fix it. And that's that's what the YouTube channel Black Dragon National President is all about. So uh, a lot of these guys don't know. They see cool things. They see cool things on bikers' vests, and they want it. They want the F, uh, F the world symbol. They want the nomad symbol. They want, they want these things because these things are cool. Uh, they can identify, they think, with these things. But not knowing the culture, they don't really know what it means. They don't know that uh, nomad doesn't particularly mean a guy who travels like a uh, from from a nomadic tribe from place to place. They don't understand that there's a lot more to it than that. And when you're using that language, uh, you're using uh, uh, you know you're using a, a signal and a bell that to other people they see something differently. And when they see you trying to do what you don't understand it's like stolen valor to them and and, and they get very angry and and um, and, you, and you run into problems using nomenclature that you have no idea what it means so we try to we try to educate um, the, the 99 percenters to understand where is your place in the MC world in such a manner that we can keep you out of trouble as it were
Well, you know what? That's a perfect point. You know, when I rode with uh, the B&W, uh, I was a piston, and before that, uh, in the 90s, when it was real bad here in Chicago with another club, and these guys don't understand when they put those enforcer patches on or those sergeant-at-arm patches, you're the first ones we're going to go after. We're not going after the president. We're going after the enforcer. <laughs> Well, that's why the major reason why I know in that world we never wore the tag patches. <laughs> we never wore them. We never wanted uh, anybody to know who the hell we were. <laughs> we often talk about this uh, on on the uh, YouTube channel, uh, Black Dragon National President. We often talk about your love for the front patch versus your love for the back patch. And so a lot of these guys, they need status. They need patches. They need this big old tag on the front. Whereas Drew Brothers really only needs a patch on their back. Correct. Uh, I, 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 I had this one president who, uh, I mean, he hadn't been president like 40 minutes before his vest was adorned with all of his presidential regalia. <laughs> and I was like, what did you have that in your trunk? I mean... Wow, I, did you go out and sew it on, like, in the last, like, three minutes? And I said, you know, the interesting thing about a real president is people know who you are when they're looking at your group and you start speaking and people start shitting and getting. They right. know exactly who you are. You don't need a flag on you uh, that says who you are. You, you have to president from inside not from outside and as long as you are so in love with these tags you're not going to be anything but a gaudy looking general <laughs> with no real power <laughs> so you know we, we try to teach them right well before we wrap up uh one thing that uh, i know i push out there because i get a lot of questions out there uh especially from the younger kids uh you know, they say, hey, you know, Machikari should, you know, what's better to join, a motorcycle club or a riding club? You know, I find myself lately pushing them to the riding club type of uh, deal because a lot of them don't know what a, mo a real motorcycle club's all about. It's a lifetime commitment. It's, you know, you, I know when I was in the club before I got sick with epilepsy and stuff, it was, they were my family before I even had went with my own. My own. And... That's why I think I push it a lot more with the riding clubs nowadays. Uh, what would your suggestion be? So, my thing is this. Um, you, there are different levels of requirements. And the thing you have to know about a traditional MC is the requirement is... Um, it, the requirement is 24 hours rather than, than uh, something that you would do as a hobby. So if you're a hobbyist and you don't feel like 
loving someone enough to take on their troubles and their successes and their failures and if you don't love someone and if you don't want to be involved in sitting at somebody's hospital bed or getting them out of jail or or cleaning up their puke or wiping their their ass when they're sick then you need to go to a writing club because the expectation of an MC is brotherhood family even deeper than your existing family and so it's more than fun it's more than chasing girls at a bar it's more than than standing up and screaming such and such MC forever forever such and such it's more than that and whether it's a traditional MC or a and then and then when you look at something like you know guys ask me all the time should I be a 99% or should I be a 1% and and when you what the things that I just mentioned are 99% or things when you add the 1% portion to it there's an even higher call to brotherhood a, a, a call to brotherhood that's club first beyond any other thing that's loyalty first that's die before I turn on a brother go to prison before I turn on a brother and even things that are above my, my level that I don't know about because I was never in a 1% organization but if I look at what is required in a 99% MC I can only imagine that the level of requirement of a 1% MC is probably 100 times that and if these are not the things that you're looking for in a brotherhood then you need to be in your riding club where your only expectation is to pay your dues, get your patch, ride, chase women, and have fun. When you come to the MC, I want you forever and ever and ever until you either die or you're too sick to ride. And two, I want your complete and undying loyalty. And three, I want your obedience to the bylaws of the MC. And these are the things that are required to be in an MC. And if you can't do that, please stay the hell away. Don't let us fall in love with you. Don't let us care about you. Don't let us want to nurture you when you don't have the inner, uh, uh, the inner strength to be all that we need and all that we require. You need to go play where little boys play. This right here, this is the grown-up field. This is where we're going to do things like grown folks. And we're going to stand for another. We're not screwing each other's wives and this kind of stuff. This is this is what little little people do. Little boys do this. What, what we are here is if you have an issue and I'm to be around your wife, you can trust me as though I were your brother. Because that's what I said I am. And to me, that's what an MC means. It means... Us, we, ours, together as one. Not about I, I, I. Not about me, me, me. But about we, we, we. Well, that coming from uh, one of the greats over at uh, Black Sabbath MC. That is, uh, we just heard from uh, Black Dragon. He's the national president uh, of Black Sabbath MC. You can go on his uh, YouTube channel. I recommend it. He goes live uh, mostly all, all the time, every day, I think it is, ain't it, uh, Black Dragon? Just about every day. Uh, 90% of the time. 99. Uh, we're almost, almost daily. Every now and then I take a break, but we're just about daily. Awesome. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It helps him out. 
Also, you can buy his books uh, on Amazon. Or do you have a personal website uh, that you can buy? I uh, no. Uh, no, my website got attacked, so uh, we're on Amazon right now. Okay, so don't forget to go out there and get his books on Amazon. And uh, if you have any questions, go on uh, his page, or you can shoot an email through me, and I'll get them to him. But uh, go on his YouTube channel, and uh, we thank uh, Black Dragon for joining us today. I'm James Hollywood Machikari, and uh, until next week, uh, we'll talk to you all again.
Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. What's in store this holiday at your local Staples? Gifts and packages shipped with care. So you can relax in knowing they'll soon be there. Now at Staples, you get 15% off UPS shipping services and 15% off all shipping supplies. Plus, Staples is open seven days a week. So you can ship around your schedule this holiday. And still get everything out in time while spending less. Staples, there's a whole lot in store this holiday. Exclusions apply. In-store only, see associate for details. Ends 12 29 